Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you doing today? Hey, Alan. I'm doing great today. How about you, buddy? I'm doing terrific. Well, Mark, I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Today, we're going to look at Christmas Scandal, which is a season two episode, number 12. And uh, I, I really enjoyed this episode, and I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you. Yeah, you know, this episode falls into the category of one that I actually didn't remember as well as some of the others. So it was, as always, it's kind of a pleasure to watch this again, you know? Yep, me as well. And, and the, sometimes a rewatch uh, feels like you've seen it before, and sometimes uh, you feel like you might have fallen asleep or missed something. Yep. I'm not saying I did that, but, you know, who knows? Been there, zed that. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. All right. Well, Christmas Scandal first aired on December 10th of 2009. This was the last episode of the calendar year 2009 before they went to break. And I think they came back maybe mid-January with the next episode, which we'll set up here at the end of the show. But um, this one was written by Mike Schur. I've heard of that guy before. I'm not sure you know who he is or anything. What but, a Johnny know. come lately. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We should tell the the, the viewers at home, Mark, that uh, we did a special Pawnee Spotlight episode. It was our first episode that we considered what we call a Spotlight episode, where we kind of featured a person or a thing or a theme. And we're hoping to do more of them in the future, but that episode's out there and we covered Mike Schur. Yeah, that was a really fun one. And it, it was a fun little break from what we typically do. I hope we can get back to that. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to, to strategizing maybe what we'll do next. And you know what? I'd love to hear from our, our viewers at home. Mm, well, I don't know if they're viewers, but I'd still like to hear from them. Uh, either way. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We did some new things to that to that point. Um, we added a little thing on the website where you can actually go out and leave us a recording. Um, you can pretty easily click a link and send us an email. Uh, we're on all the social media pages. So there's absolutely zero reason. And, and I will at the end of the podcast, give out your personal phone number. So there is really no reason. <laughs> all right. I mean, you know, Constantine has already done it, but he, he, you know, he sent it out on the newsletter, but yeah. Yeah. He also used carrier pigeons. So I, he's not real with it. He He's not, he's not that techie. <laughs> so. As I said, this this episode was written by Mike Schur, and it was um, directed by Randall Einhorn. So uh, I don't know if you remember Randall, Mark. Um, he's an interesting dude. He's uh, he's a, primarily had, was a cinematographer. Um, he was started as a, cam- a camera operator on The Office. And uh, if you ever get a chance, go out and listen to The Office Ladies. They t- they actually interviewed Randall here maybe four or five episodes ago. Uh, great interview. And um, but he he's gone on to pro- mostly produce and direct since then. Uh, shows like Nurse Jackie, Wilfred, Fargo, uh, the Muppets reboot, and uh, oh, the wow. show The Mick. So uh-huh. uh, interesting guy. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, he actually started, I think, as a, um, a like a wildlife real, uh, you know, uh, what do they call that? Um, reality show. That That's the word I'm looking for. Kind of a reality show nature photographer, cinematographer. Yeah. So to go from that to the office seems kind of weird. But when he explained it, it kind of made sense. Yeah. You know, maybe it's just well-rounded. Yeah. There you go. All right. All right, Mark. Well, with that, I think it's time for us to get in our synopsises. I'm very interested to hear what you did this week because I I'm prepared to 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 counterpoint you. Go. Yeah. Well, um, that's not intimidating at all. Well, you know, Alan, I went into this um, not knowing exactly what this was going to get broken down into because I kept on watching it. 
And I kept on finding more and more little things that I wanted to split it up into. And so I'm just going to come right out and say it. I have broken this down into an unprecedented five. That's right. Five stories. I got four. Well, this is like our deleted scenes argument (laughs) over and over. (laughs) All right. Well, what do you got, Mark? What's your A story? All right. Well, it should be noted for the viewers at home that uh, I make up titles for these uh, uh, sub stories because I think I'm funny. Well, Mark, I I think you're funny, too. Um, At least I tell you that to your face. But um, (laughs) I went on and made up some titles, too. So if you don't mind. (laughs) No, no. AKs. Um, So the the, the first story, the A story um, is uh, I I entitled uh, Leslie and Dexhart. A love story. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm trying to get a little bit of mileage out of that. It's uh, I, I don't like know it. how many different ways I can say it. I like it. A lot. Um, <clears throat> so here's the synopsis uh, for the A story. Okay. After impersonating Councilman Dexhart in the annual government follies that riffs local politics, Leslie is asked by Dexhart to meet with him since one of the skits was accidentally accurate about a sex scandal that has not yet gone public. Leslie convinces him she really knows nothing and leaves, but not before local tabloid Pawnee's son took pictures of their lunch and is now reporting Leslie as Dexhart's new mistress. What will Leslie do? Dot, dot, dot. Wow, I like it. Well, you know, I did have the same A story. My title was just slightly different. Yours is better. <laughs> Mine was <laughs> Leslie's lukewarm sex scandal. So, oh, yeah, there you I go. I like yours better. Well, what do you got for your B story? All right. For the B story I have, and I may have gone into too many here, but oh, well, the the B story I I called uh, covering for Leslie. So far, we're 100 percent in sync. Wow. All right. So my my synopsis for this is uh, with Leslie lying low, the gang bands together to tackle Leslie's huge and exhausting list of tasks to do. They separate into teams to try and get this done with ups and downs along the way and Get a good feel for everything Leslie Nope does for City Hall and for the residents of Pawnee. Will they get everything done? Will there be any fallout? You'll have to wait and see, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Very nice. So I did have the same B story. Again, my title's just slightly different. Mine was, dear God, when does Leslie get back? All right. Yours really is better that time. I like that. (laughs) That, that I, I channeled that through Ron just from what happens in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally see that. Yeah. All right. So what was your C story? The C story is uh, I called Bon Voyage Officer Dave. I, again, Mark, it's unprecedented. We're three for three. Wow. I'm pretty impressed. All right. Uh, Officer Dave tells Leslie his U.S. Army Reserve unit has been called up to active duty in San Diego for 12 to 18 months. As a result, he invites Leslie to join him on a permanent basis. Leslie's uh, recent treatment by the Pawnee media here certainly makes her feel less attached to the uh, city of Pawnee than normal. What will she do? Inquiring minds want to know, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Mine was aptly titled. Yours is better here. Truly better. Because I I feel like I phoned this one in. Mine was just called San Diego drama. So, yeah. Yours is better, right? Untrue. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. D story. What do you got? All right. The D story. Um, Gay boyfriend gifts. (laughs) Me too. Oh, here we go. All right. Uh, April wants to get her gay, quote, kind of boyfriend 
quote, a good present and asks Andy for advice on the perfect gift. Andy and April have several nice moments throughout the episode as Andy brainstorms and April collaborates. Yep. What does April decide to do? Stay tuned and find out. I love it. You know what? I'm I, mine was a like kind of a two-part title for this one. And mm. and I think I'm looking at my second part of the title, and I bet it's your E story. I bet this is where we vary. Because this yep. is where I stopped. I had four, yep. you had five. So mine was <laughs> you mentioned brainstorming, right? Mm -hmm. April's gay boyfriend, right? So right. my title was Broke Brack <laughs> Broke Back Brainstorm. <laughs> All right. That is a tongue twister. It, it's hard to say. Yeah. It, slash gift a palooza because mm. there are also other gift exchanges going on in the episode. And I'm betting maybe that's where your E story comes in. Speaking of which, let's go on to my E and final story. There you go. I entitled this. <laughs> this is so bad, but I love it. Gift of the Mark Eye. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> huh? How, that is so how, stupid. I love it. How, how bad is that? That's great. It's really great. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> like Rodney Dangerfield. Good. Oh, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> Rodney, get out of here. Um, Tom has got Mark convinced that his gift for Anne, a computer bag, is not fitting for a woman of her hotness level urging him to give her diamonds instead. As the episode progresses, Mark seems more and more unsure about his decision. What will he decide? I like it. You know, I, I, I won't argue too much except to say that I do feel like both the, the D and the E story are really just about gift giving, right, generally. So I'll stick with why I, I think it should be four and you can call it five. That's fine. We can agree yeah. to disagree. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this. I can see how D and E could have been combined together because they're definitely of the same theme. Yeah. I tend to to use the litmus test of can I extract one of these and it really doesn't affect any of the others. Yeah, and no that's the only reason why I stuck with that. But yeah. I could see four as well. Yeah. No, and I agree with you. And, and in general, it's certainly why I think we both kind of came up with an unprecedented number of uh, storylines here because, you know, there were really you could have pulled out the San Diego drama story with, you know, with Leslie and Officer Dave. You could have pulled out all the gift giving stuff and you'd still have two really strong A and B stories. So Pretty interesting right. that they kept all that in here and and yet got it crammed into 21 and a half minutes. Yeah, I bet we'll have some more to say about that later on. I bet we will. All right. <laughs> well, let's do this then. Let's move on in to our official AKAs. Um, yes. You know, this is where we kind of give our own episode title. We've, we've certainly done that here with the storylines. What'd you have uh, for the overall episode title? I, I know you did better than Christmas Scandal. <laughs> well, you know, Alan, usually, uh, you know, I, I tell the viewers at home, you have me running scared because of I, I never know just how many AKAs you're going to come up with, you know, uh, out of your out of your hindsight there. Um, so, uh, you know, I was so exhausted um, by <laughs> all of the synopses. I was like, I, I got to the AKAs and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm exhausted over here. So I really only could could summon up the energy to do uh, the original intent, which was one. OK, fair enough. And so um, mine is now we should um, <clears throat> let the viewers at home know and remind them we don't compare notes. So we don't know what's going to happen if we ever have overlap here. It could be extreme danger zone. We don't know. So I always go into this trembling a little bit like, is this going to be the day? Um, 
So, but no pressure. So my, so my AKA is, um, uh, a, a quote from Andy as April is passing him, uh, in the hall at one point. And I think April has, uh, asked him for advice on what to get her, her, uh, her boyfriend. And Andy, uh, flags her down as she walks by and says, quote, I've been thinking about your gay boyfriend all day. <laughs> I love like, it. Okay. Not a bad episode title. Well, it kind of happened. I will say. Oh, no. I had two. Oh, oh. <laughs> you picked one of them. Oh. Hey, look, it was oh. bound to happen. Oh, I don't know what. Now I'm just frightened. I don't know. Like, are asteroids going to fall? Are we going to DEFCON 1? Or I guess we just go on with the episode. Yeah. Well, be prepared to laugh your asnoff off. So I'm just saying. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's topical. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, it was bound to happen. I can't believe we're what, I don't know. What is this episode 18 now or so we're yeah. into this and, and it finally happened. So there you go. And, and look, well, the planet did not fall apart. We're just fine. Well, you know, our hemisphere is fine. I don't know what's happening. That's elsewhere. true. We might yeah. need our, 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 our worldwide audience to check in with us and let us, let us know how they're doing. Yes, please do. You know, LFP Worldwide Headquarters has a panic room and lots of snacks. So we're fine here. But, you know, I don't know about the rest of you. Well, my, my AKA, Mark, is it came from Joan Calamezzo. And while it's technically three lines, I'm going to kind of cram it into one so it fits on the T-shirt. All right. And this was my other choice. And, uh, you know, she's basically got Leslie up on stage. They're about to go on the air or they're going on the air and she's setting up the scene. And she basically says, uh, you know, sex, drugs, possibly rock and roll. So that's it. All right. All right. Respectable. It was my second choice. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, am I to understand this is this is actually kind of stunning. Am I to understand that you know we've had episodes where you've had 18, 19, 20 AKAs, and I've maybe had as many as seven or eight. And and while we didn't overlap on those, you're telling me on the one episode I know where I'm it. like, I was so tired, I was so exhausted with all these synopses, Alan. I only did one and you did two, and we overlapped. I again the 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 odds are somewhat astronomical. I'm gonna go out and buy a lottery ticket tonight. Wow. All right. So I'm sorry. Go ahead with your your number one AKA. Well, no, you, we had the same number one AKA. Oh, that's right. See, I, I forgot already. I just thought <laughs> I, I'm so used to you just going on and on and blathering on it with all your well, AKAs. Like, and now I'm like, okay, I stole one of yours and then you only had the other. So like I just you, feel like we, we had like, I don't know, what was it? 17 storylines here. So by the time yeah. I named them all, I didn't have anything left. Yeah. I, I I just feel empty inside now. I don't know what to do now. What do we do now? I don't know. I, let's let's ask Constantine. Oh, you know what he said? He said we should move on into the episode breakdown. That's yep. He's exactly right. All right. Well, let's do that. In fact, all right. Well, this episode as always opens with a cold open, and we start off at what is clearly the Pawnee City Government Follies. Um, Leslie's being introduced as. Councilman Bill Dexhart and about to give a press conference about his latest sex scandal. Yeah, this was a, this was kind of a fun a cold open. I mean, it's definitely, you know, uh, you can tell it's a Christmas episode, you know, right from the bat. So, you know, it's almost Christmas. And like you said, Leslie and the gang are performing uh, skits uh, for for live audience and, and during these these follies that's presented by the Parks and Rec Department. And 
they appear to be killing it. You know, the, the, the audience is just laughing hysterically uh, through most of it. As you said, Leslie was brought out uh, impersonating Councilman Dexart and talking about, you know, all the miscellaneous sex scandals he has there. Um, <laughs> and they all take turns uh, singing together and everybody's having a great time. Um, it was it was it, so this is a plot relevant uh, uh, cold open. Yeah, they went that definitely. route and and it was fairly uh, uh, good in length. It was about 91 seconds. Um, and and it, it was really cute. I don't have a lot more to say about it, although I will say um, Ron was one of the I want to say five people or so from the parks department that was that were doing all this, you know, uh, singing and, and gallivanting. Yeah. Ron. Yeah. And, but I love so you go, well, what the heck? That doesn't seem like Ron. But when you pay attention to him and see what he's doing, you go, OK, now I get it. Because like he barely opened his mouth. And while the others were raising their hands and like waving them around, he just kept one hand in his pocket and kind of gestured vaguely with the other <laughs> hand. So like he's kind of doing it. But <laughs> um, I was quite surprised they even got him to be part of it at all. So. I, I thought it was a little bit out of character, but you're right. I think he was kind of forced to do it. I'm sure he did it for <laughs> Leslie. And right. he, oh, yes. he did as little as he could do. Yup. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, following the cold open, we open with Leslie in a quick voiceover, um, a little bit of a talking head at lot 48, just before she gathers the group to talk about the schedule for what's going to be Pawnee's Winter Wonderland. That's right, Alan. They, as I said, it, it is getting close to Christmas time. There's that Christmas feel in the air. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And they have turned Lot 48 into the Pawnee Winter Wonderland. And Leslie's, you know, planned and spearheaded it. It's kind of her baby. And um, she's telling the gang how there's an all-day event on Saturday and, and everyone's going to take turns playing Santa for the kids, uh, caroling with the youth choir. And then for the first time ever, they're going to have a tree lighting ceremony that will be simulcast on Internet radio which is kind of an interesting choice. Um, <laughs> at the end of this, April gives Leslie a message saying Dex Hart wants to meet with her at the boardwalk lounge. And Leslie seems a little apprehensive about this. I think that scene ends at lot 48 there, Mark, with a quick talking head by Leslie. Not a lot happens there. Uh, there there's a, a dirty joke and that that's about all. <laughs> <laughs> but a good one. But it's a good one. Yep. Yeah. In the next scene, we find ourselves where it's a shoeshine stand at City Hall and Andy is uh, having a conversation with April. That's right. And that's where we kind of enter into one of our 17 or 18, you know, sub stories. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, April is with Andy at the shoeshine stand and asking him for advice about what to get her gay boyfriend for Christmas. And Andy gives a few suggestions, but he doesn't seem to hit on anything good. And Andy assures April he's going to think about it all day, come up with something good. And April seems uh, uncharacteristically pleased at this. Uh, and she kind of walks away grinning and kind of looking shyly at the camera. And Alan, if I'm not mistaken, I believe this short clip of April walking down the hall, shyly grinning at the camera is the same clip that goes in the future credits. I believe you're exactly right. And I think by my count, it may be only the second time we've ever seen April smile. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's clearly up to something, though. Yeah. Well, you know, that's actually that's that's interesting because I think it's either that or she's just kind of pleased to be around Andy. Could be. I mean, you know, I, like, I, like the camera is catching her like with these little hee hee moments and she's kind of shy about it. 
All right. Well, from there, Mark, the next scene has Leslie arriving at the Boardwalk Lounge to meet Councilman Dexart for this meeting he's requested. And he's already seated and waiting on Leslie. And I think instead of walking through this, let's just play this clip really quick. Yep. Good idea. All right. Councilman Dexart, I'm Leslie Nope. Thank you for meeting me. It's my pleasure. I am assuming this is about my performance in the government follies last night. I'd just like to say that I have nothing to apologize for except for perhaps being too incisive. I don't want you to apologize. I want to know who told you. Who told me? Huh? Nobody. Nobody told me nothing. <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, based on that skit, I know you heard about the new scandal that's about to break. Who told you? Was it the babysitter? Was it the nurse who delivered our love child? What? Stop playing dumb. You know damn well what happened. I got the babysitter pregnant. That when she was in the delivery room, I had sex with not one, but four nurses in a supply closet. <laughs> the one whose husband was getting a liver transplant. Now, which one of them told you? Was it the liver lady? Well, I, no one, I haven't, I haven't heard any of this ever in my whole life. Oh. Believe me, I would have remembered this. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, Everything I just told you was just a funny prank. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, was it the liver lady has stuck with me ever since rewatching this episode and I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> yeah. I, I also like that. He said, you know, not one, <laughs> but then he skipped over numbers two and three and just catapulted right to four. Four. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, they must not be very busy there at Pawnee General. I don't know what else is going on there. So, you know, the, the, the only other thing I would add to that, I'm, that, that was a great clip to, uh, to play. Um, at the end of that, we can see Leslie is, as you would expect, kind of visibly, maybe a tiny bit shaken up, but just very uncertain. Like she doesn't know exactly what's going on or how to react. So she definitely is feeling that it's very awkward there, to say the least. Yeah, she she clearly is, is struggling with uh, what's just happened. And, uh, you know, I, I I think she's pretty sure it's not a prank, but, you know, he has her wondering. All right, Mark. Well, in the next scene, we're back at the parks office and most of the staff is already gathered around as Leslie enters. And Tom just seems really eager to engage Leslie. That's right. You know, Leslie is walking into the bullpen and we see the gang has already congregated in there and um. Tom shows Leslie the latest issue of the Pawnee Sun, which has a large photo of Dexhart and Leslie in the booth together on the front page with a large caption that says, Sexy Dexy strikes again <laughs> after hours tryst in a private booth. And um, Leslie's speechless. So she doesn't know what to say to that. And it's a little interesting thing here, Alan. I see the, um, the gang hustles into what I believe is the printer slash break room, if I'm not mistaken, it's where they have like a TV mounted to the wall. And yeah. So people kind of stand around and like, you know, kind of a water cooler moment, if you will. Well, didn't they actually cross the whole courtyard to get to this little place? I thought it was very odd. Like, and we were in a place that I'm not sure we've ever physically been before in the show. I couldn't well, really understand that. We have been here. There is one time when we were here where Mark was asking Donna how she broke the printer and, you know, and like what, oh. what exactly happened. Now, I just happened to recognize, I don't know why I'm a nerd, I guess. I yeah, happen to recognize the room, but 
what would have really been helpful is if we had had like a map of of what you know city hall looks like because you're right it does look like they went outside through the i'm assuming the courtyard to That's get to here like, yeah um, you would think that a, a place the size of City Hall would have more than one tiny break room that they have to <laughs> shove printers into as well. Right. But yeah. And whatever. that, you know, awesome, you know, 19 inch TV. <laughs> I know. Right. And so they, so they get in into the, the printer slash break room and they hear slash see heard happily Channel 4 News talking about the scandal with Dexart and and they they did in initially report her name apparently as Leslie Norp um <laughs> which Tom does a great omg when he hears that he's uh -huh. just very tickled by that so suffice to say Leslie is stunned and completely speechless she does not know what to say about this and the others are just kind of like looking sideways at her like they don't know what to say but they're like looking at her like what are you what are you going to do Yep. And that's a great segue because I believe in the next scene, we're, we're back in Leslie's office. The whole gang is hanging out there and it looks like they're strategizing, trying to figure out exactly that. What, what should they do next? That's right. So we're, we're, we cut to the inside of Leslie and Tom's shared office and the basically the entire gang. You know, you got Jerry, Leslie, Mark, Ann, April, Ron, uh, Tom, uh, basically everybody except Donna is all crammed in there and they're discussing what just happened. That's right. And, and Ann and Tom try to convince Leslie, you know, hey, no one pays any attention to the Pawnee son, that ragged. But, but <laughs> Donna proves that wrong by all of a sudden coming up to the window outside of her office, holding up the Pawnee son against the window. So the picture showing and just congratulating her. Good job, girl. Um, April uh, valiantly uh, offers to seduce uh, Perd happily, uh, not because <laughs> it would help, but just uh, to see if she can do it. So I'm not sure where she's going with that. Um, either. Andy uh, uh, breaks into the room and chimes in with some not helpful chatter he heard around the shoeshine stand, which mainly is concerning whether guys would do Leslie or not. So I don't know if that's really helpful or not. not. Um, and, and I think at the end of this, uh, it, yeah, it's a pretty funny scene. Uh, Leslie finally decides she's not going to be intimidated. You know, she's going to continue to do her job just like she normally would. Yeah, I mean, she's got that quick talking head there at the end and basically states that straight up, you know, and I, I it's hard to put yourself in her shoes. But I think this is the first time she's had to deal with, like with something like this. Yeah, agreed. Well, from here, we're back at the Lot 48 Winter Wonderland. The it looks like the setup is continuing to take place. And Leslie's addressing a couple of the volunteers uh, when she gets approached by the Pawnee Sun news crew. That's right. She is uh, she is ambushed by Alexa Softcastle from the Pawnee Sun and kind of a surprise interview, like you said, and um, asking her a, a few leading questions. And, you know, Ron initially tries to jump in. He's kind of defensive of Leslie. But Leslie, at first, at least, insists, look, I got nothing to hide. I don't care. Um, it continues to not go well. You know, they That's continue true. to twist words. And then Ron finally more forcefully steps in and goes, this is over. And and Leslie takes off with Anne just to kind of get out get out of the spotlight. Yeah, I love the the probing journalism of Alexa Softcastle. There, uh, you know, some people are saying this isn't the first time you've had sex with a married councilman. And Leslie says, "Who's saying that?" She said, "Some people." Uh, do you want? <laughs> did I stutter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can't say who. Uh, no. 
Well, then I think, you know, because of this incident, you know, Anne's house is obviously really close here to Lot 48. The whole gang scrambles over to Anne's house and they move into kind of another strategy session. Right, right. That You know, the, the gang tells Leslie, go home, lay low, the truth will come out. And, and yeah, Leslie protests, but Ron smugly assures her, I, I, I think that we can all cover for you. And then <laughs> it's a few seconds later, we see a scene where Ron is kind of, you know, crapping bricks, I think. And, uh, you know, they're all forming teams and and they're splitting up her daily tasks in an effort to get done what she as one Leslie Nope would normally do in the course of a day. And even yeah. then, each team still has 10 things I think that they need to do. Like the, the woman works hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do have to say a note here, Alan, I, you know how I, I make up uh, titles cause I think I'm funny. Yeah, um, of course uh, I, I, so I, I noted two teams. Uh, I kind of channeled my inner survivor, uh, uh, oh, you know, show watch. So yeah, this is fun. Um, and <laughs> the, so the teams are, we are made aware of are pretty quick, quickly are Ron and April, which I yeah. dubbed team Ron gate. <laughs> nice uh-huh and then <laughs> and also uh mark and tom which i dubbed team D- tom danowitz tom danowitz nice yeah <laughs> i was proud of that those are good i mean i see that all that you know your your shipping work you do at home you know uh on all your tv shows has paid off i don't like to talk about that but yeah <laughs> I, I, I'm, I i it is it's paid off <laughs> Well, right after Ron does his math and figures out that everybody's got 10 items each, we bounce back over and uh, Leslie is meeting Dave with for what looks like a nice lunch at some sort of upscale bistro called Taza. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm really glad that you got the name of that because I had actually paused the scene and I tried to read the outside and all I could get was Taz. And I assumed at first it was just called the Tasmanian devil because I didn't (laughs) see the end of it, but I decided not to say it. And now I'm glad I didn't because it looks like you got the right title. Um, And yeah, it looks like like a little bit more of a, of an upscale eatery, like like nicer than say a JJ's diner, not better, but, but like a little bit more upscale. You know, nothing is better than JJ's. Don't you blaspheme in here? Not at all. Never, never hate on JJ's. Um, So Leslie is assuring Officer Dave that nothing happened between her and Dexhart and she barely knows him. And Dave assures her right back that, hey, you know, I believe you and I know you and that behavior doesn't seem like you. And also, if I ever see Dexhart, I'm going to punch him in the face. And (laughs) I think Leslie thinks that's kind of sweet, but she does encourage him to, instead of punching him in the face, use his nightstick instead. Which, you know, I mean, efficiency. Yeah, that just makes good sense. That's just practical. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, from here, we bounce back to City Hall. I think we're I think we've identified this room once before, maybe as the briefing room outside the manager's office, you know, Paul's office. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And it looks like maybe April and Ron are are taking their first meeting of the day that Leslie would have normally done. That's right. We 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 see team Ron Gate. I keep saying that Um, (laughs) sitting sitting in the audience for the reorganization of local auditing systems, which makes Ron want to yomlet right there when he hears he's not happy at all. Um, And and Paul asks where uh, Leslie is as she was going to be, I think, an integral part of this meeting. And Ron explains, look, Paul, I gave her the, 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 the day off, you know, and 
Paul thinks that makes sense, but then goes, oh, well, Ron, well, you're going to make the presentation. And then two things happen simultaneously. Ron becomes absolutely horrified and we see the color <laughs> drain from his face and beside him april is almost gleefully tickled oh, at this yeah. she thinks this is the best go team ron gate <laughs> <laughs> well real quickly we bounce back to the restaurant and uh, dave has some major news for leslie yeah. So I, I guess this, the lunch was uh, Dave's idea. There's a topic he's been wanting to bring up and he tells her um, his army reserve unit got called to active duty. He ships out in four days to San Diego for 12 to 18 months. And uh, Dave wants Leslie to come with him permanently. Um, and and th they even say to each other, you know, we both kind of feel like we have something, you know? Uh, so it's not like this is out of character or, 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 an unreasonable ask even, but Leslie, as you can imagine, isn't sure about leaving Pawnee. Yeah. And, you know, Dave has this really interesting talking head here where I think at first he's a little confused about the question, which is, you know, is he in love with Leslie? And, <laughs> but it was, he actually thought they meant, is he in love with the army? army but, yeah. You know, but by the end of it, um, I mean, he clearly is. I, he, yeah. he, he wants Leslie to come with him. Well, it, it not only do I think that's sincere, but I think Leslie, for what it's worth, is, is, is returns sincere feelings. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. definitely going to chew on this. All right. Well, from there, we bounce back. We're over Anne's house. And, uh, you know, I think Leslie is downloading kind of the, the events of this meeting with Dave uh, to Anne to kind of get her feedback. Yeah, this is just a short little scene. Like you said, Leslie's on Anne's couch talking to her about what Dave just said. She doesn't know what to do, you know, mentioning that, by the way, that all this Dexart crap is not making her feel very attached to yeah. her hometown of Pawnee right now. And there's a really nice uh, Anne talking head where she says that she, she says she would miss Leslie like crazy. And, and I like this because, you know, we've talked about the talking head concept before and more often than not, the person who's having the talking head is a little bit away from everybody else. Not always, but typically, right. but this is an example where, you know, Anne's house is not horribly big and Anne's kind of has this talking head in her kitchen, I, I guess. And, and about right. Leslie is not totally there listening to it, but she's in the background and she can kind of hear what's going on. And, you know, and basically says in the talking head, you know, Oh yeah, if Leslie left, I would miss her like crazy. And you hear from the background, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> it's very silly, but sweet. That's great. You know, there's um, th there's a deleted scene that made this scene a little longer that I liked. I wish they had kept in and we might cover that when we talk about our deleted scenes. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, from there, Mark, I believe we're back at City Hall. We're kind of walking through the hallway and uh, team uh, brand brand Tomowitz, what'd you call them? Team Tom Danowitz. Tom Danowitz. That is so much better. Uh, <laughs> are comparing notes. You know, they're they're walking down a hallway together, discussing stuff on Leslie's list. I, I had a, a tiny little flashback to the West Wing as oh they were kind of walking down. I mean, not a, a ton, but a little bit, you know? Yep. yep. A walking and, head. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, this, and, was and, this episode directed by Tommy Schlama? I don't know. We'll have to look. I don't know, but I love that name. Um, so we, we overhear one thing in particular as they're discussing this and that, um, bring a case of beer to sanitation. 
And they read that and they both look a little surprised at it. And then they say, you know what? Screw this. They can get their own damn beer. And they kind of just <laughs> shove it aside because they have a lot to do. Um, as, a, as a kind of a side note, then Tom says, hey, by the way, uh, what are you getting in for Christmas? And Mark proudly says a computer bag, which he's kind of thinking that she would like. And Tom just lays into him. Just have you, have you seen Anne? Do you, do you know how hot <laughs> she is? You know, look, men uh, give women of that caliber, uh, uh, speed boats, uh, private jets, not computer bags. <laughs> and so I think Mark's a little frustrated at this. And at a certain point says, okay, smart guy. What, so what, what you got? And he's like diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Duh! Oh. oh my gosh is this the whole thing with the blood diamonds yeah <laughs> oh yeah I, I don't know if it's that scene or if it's like a, a next scene but yeah that was pretty no funny. i'm pretty sure it's this scene oh, i think you're right <laughs> yeah you know but mark is pretty proud that he was you know he thinks he's being a good boyfriend he was paying attention he listened to what she said she needed and wanted he made note of it and that's what he's going to get her and he's expecting that to actually be a good payoff Tom, on the other hand, uh, not so much. Yeah, he's a little bit more cynical. A little bit. Yeah. As as Tom would be. Yes, as is his won't. Yeah, as is his won't, <laughs> as the kids don't say. <laughs> All right. When we last left our heroes, we were at Anne's house, and uh, we, we see a live feed from Pawnee today, and uh, Anne notices what's going on and uh, grabs Leslie. She's pretty sure that Leslie needs to see this. Yeah, they're, like you said, they're watching Bonnie today on TV. Um, Joan Calamezzo is talking to some I love guy. Joan Calamezzo. Can I just I say that? Too. Mo yeah. Collins is awesome. Oh, she's tremendous. I agree. Um, she's talking to some dude named Donnie Rotger um, from the Pawnee Sun. And they show a videotape from April 2005. So, you know, four and a half years ago at that point where apparently Leslie greets Councilman Dexhart at some, you know, miscellaneous uh, function. And then they kind of read into her, uh, her, her supposed stance and her actions. And is she, that she's given him, you know, I think they said, do me eyes, like even way back then, <laughs> uh, look at the way she's smiling at him. And, and then, Oh, look, she's almost unconsciously touching her hands to her hips. It's like, she's sending him a message that she's ready for childbearing. Like, Holy Good crap. God. <laughs> so Anne and Leslie are not real happy about mm. this. <laughs> I love uh, Leslie's quick talking head here where she says, you know, in the 24 hour news cycle, the tiniest story gets dissected over and over. And this kid from Pawnee, oh, they yeah. covered him for like over a year. He didn't actually participate in the Olympics. He just went and watched as a spectator. Yeah, that was big news for Pawnee. I guess so. <laughs> Well, I think after the talking head, that scene continues. We're still at Anne's house. It might be a little bit later, but we see her kind of pulling back into her driveway. She's clearly returning from some sort of errand. Right, right. Um, and then we see Anne walk into her house with, of all people, Councilman Dexhart. <laughs> and, 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 you know, this is apparently a plan that Leslie and Anne had put together, which basically consists of go get him. Yes, <laughs> and which Anne I think said, is actually in the deleted scenes. It didn't actually make the cut. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Um, and so Leslie is pretty straightforward. He's like, she said, look, you need to hold a press conference and clear my name. And Dexart says, nope, uh, <laughs> being linked to you is quite frankly, way less damning than the real story. You know, yeah. you're like a glass of whole milk. 
Um, Are you Lutheran? I love Lutherans. Yeah. LOL and yuck. Um, <laughs> so, and so Leslie says, all right, you know what, if you, you don't do it, I will, you know, I'll threaten to go, I'll come forward and tell the whole story. But Dexart's like, yeah, that won't work. It, take it from me. He deny stuff. <laughs> it just, it makes things worse. It's not going to help. And as he prepares to leave, you know, what the heck? He, he, he propositions Leslie uh, saying, look, every, everybody uh, thinks we're doing it anyway. So, you know, you know, and she, <laughs> she says no. And they almost punch him and they're mad they should. as well. They should be. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, disgusting and disturbing all at once. Yeah. LOL and yuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the next scene, we're at the shoe sign stand at city hall Andy's reading a magazine. It doesn't look like he's trying very hard to sign any shoes, but April walks by and that grabs his attention. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Like he was engrossed in, of all things, the Pawnee Sun. So, you know, yeah, whatever. Shoeshine, um, shoeshine, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. He, he's just muttering it very under his <laughs> breath, like very half heartedly. But April walks by. He notices that. And he kind of waves her down and that this is our, it, it pains me to say this, Alan, this is the source of our joint, AKA, I've been thinking <laughs> about your gay boyfriend all day. All day. <laughs> and he's got some awesome ideas and he suggests a few things. And in uh, April finally mentions, like, I think she's trying to kind of guide him in a certain direction. And she says, look, yeah. you know how people say that you should give gifts that you would want to get yourself. Well, what, what would you want? And without hes hesitation, Andy oh, rattles yeah. off. Indianapolis Colts, Reggie Wayne jersey, number 87, double XL, home blue, signed by Reggie Wayne right after he catches a touchdown to win at the Super Bowl. And April appears kind of nonplussed at all of this <laughs> and says, okay, never mind, and kind of walks away. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and I think it's this whole sequence here that made me kind of say what I did earlier about April and whether or not this is kind of a ruse for her. I don't know. I feel like the fact that she so quickly turned this to what Andy would want. This feels like a fishing expedition to me. I think this is maybe what she was after all along, personally. Again. I agree. Yeah. I think you're spot on. Yeah. And Andy, you know, again, like we said in the last episode or two, he doesn't see it yet. But um, I think he's getting a lot closer here. I, I would say that for a different person, maybe April would have needed to turn up the tact and subtlety yeah. a little bit. Yeah, Andy right. is not a different no. person. This no. level is fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally fine. Yeah. She could probably go harder at this and he still wouldn't see through it. I know. Yeah. Poor, Poor Andy. Andy. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, there at the end of that, you know, Andy did also throw out, you know, hip hop abs as a potential gift, which I thought maybe wasn't a bad one, but you know. Not bad. Yeah. No, but April keeps walking. So yeah. Yeah. Well, in the next scene, we're at Anne's house again, and uh, Pawnee today is revealing even more information about this sex scandal. That's right. Joan tells the audience that they just received some exclusive photos, this time of both Leslie and Anne with Dexar. How did they do it, Alan? And There's so, someone standing outside their house. There has to be. There has to be. So needless to say, they're both horrified and disgusted. <laughs> so Donnie... Donnie Rotger uh, from the, the Pawnee Sun. He says, uh, he We says, never see uh, Donnie again, do we? No, no. I, I like Thank to God. believe that someone 
like 86 his breaks or something. I don't know. He's not a nice guy. Uh, I, no, I don't. I think he's a one and done. I think you're right. Yeah. So he says, uh, you know, the big issue now is who is this mystery woman? She and Nope are standing very close to oh, each other. God. And at any time you see, you know, Alan, you know, this is true. Oh, anytime, yeah. <laughs> anytime you see two women standing very close together, lesbian. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. yeah. Of course. And Good Lord. this enrages Leslie and rightfully so. And she gets on the phone and tells Pawnee today to clear all Jones guests because she's a coming on the show. Oh, my God. Ronnie's such a Neanderthal. He really is. Oh, boy. All right. Well, you know, I think that wraps up day two. And the next day we're going to start off day three. We're on lot 48. We're finishing our final preparations for Winter Wonderland, which I think is going to kick off probably at the end of this day. Yeah. So um, we we see Team Rongate, uh, Rongate. Sta- standing by, um, and while Team Rongate is standing there, Team Tom Danowitz uh, runs up. See, how I did that, and <laughs> so now the four of them are together, and they they uh, Team Tom Danowitz asks, "Well, what happened? What happened?" Well, Ron informs them that a, apparently sanitation didn't empty the dumpster by the Pawnee Winter Wonderland. And so to the raccoon's delight. And then there's a nice little shot of, uh, a, I guess, a, a gaggle of uh, raccoons for just frolicking like in and around the, the dumpster in the background. And Ron just point blank tells him we can't have raccoons for this Christmas thing. They will hunt the kids for sport uh, who fess up, who dropped the ball. And Tom Danowitz, they both remember, oh, bring a case of beer to sanitation. You know what, Ron? This is us. We screwed this up. We'll take care of it. You know, I I love these team names you come up with, Mark. And I'm struggling because I think unofficially one of the other teams is, is, um, is Gary. Oh, good Lord. I've jumped four seasons. I think one of the other teams is Jerry and Donna, right? I mean, I think we're never really told explicitly, but I think so. Yeah, it's Team Jeagle. Oh, my God. You're all over this. Yeah, I really am. Yeah. I think Constantine came up with all of these and gave you cards personally. I think that he'll never admit that, right? No. <laughs> Not if he wants his stinking onions. No. Nope. And they are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right well leslie's back and uh i think she's now finally on the set of pawnee today you know yeah. this is the thing she asked for to go and clear her name and uh you know she's having a little bit of repartee with joan as she's getting mic'd up yeah you know i think leslie's trying to be a, a somewhat nice and classy at first and leslie thanks joan for having her on and Joan, I don't even think that Joan's gunning for her yet. I think she just said, oh, it's nice. I see you brought your girlfriend. That's nice for support because <laughs> uh, Anne's there, you know. Yeah. And I think this gives us an idea about how this is about to go. Yep. Um, and and uh, although Joan tries to derail Leslie from the get-go, like, when did the scandal first start? Leslie maintains that nothing happens and she barely knows Dexart. And when Joan remarks on the tape from four years ago, Leslie says, look, I, I don't understand why I'm on trial and not Dexart to which Joan agrees and says, let's, let's bring him out. And so Dexart comes out to sit with them and he, what a slime he and rock. <laughs> um, and, and so he immediately acts Dexart immediately acts like, like he and Leslie are a couple. Yeah. And you know, Oh honey, let's Selling keep our private. Oh, and this infuriates Leslie and makes Joan giggle. Oh, it's like I'm invisible. Oh boy. 
<laughs> you know, I think you said it, but this this to me, I'm pretty sure cements now in this moment. We've 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 seen Joan before, but I think this now is when she is cementing this relationship that she's going to have with Leslie from here out, where we would consider her a nemesis, right? Yeah, I I, I don't think that's untrue. I, I think that she's, I, I can't, I can't figure out if she's really like uh, an aggressive uh, minor nemesis or if she's just kind of oblivious, you know? Well, you know, I, I think her brand of journalism and the brand of journalism that happens to come out of, uh, you know, the, the sun there, uh, they're not that different. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, you know, Ron Gate, Team Ron Gate yes. in the next scene. How you like that? See how I'm I using like it, it now? I yeah. like it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, they're at some sort of public forum. I can't really tell where we're at geographically, but, you know, they're trying to cover yet another of Leslie's duties at some sort of public forum. And I think it's a Saturday nonetheless. Yes, I think it's a Saturday. And, and I want to say this isn't going to help really, but I <laughs> want to say that this public forum is the same place that we've seen several, maybe not all, but several of their public forums. Like for example, um, in sister city, when, when the, 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 uh, their, their sister city comrades there, uh, sat with you're them. Right. It and, is their room. And, and I think that's been used for a couple others. That, that's yeah. just the only point I was going to make. So in, in classic public forum style, which we've seen before, cause they're crazy. Uh, Ron <laughs> gets asked ridiculous questions such as, I found a sandwich in one of your parks and I want to know why it didn't have mayonnaise. And he <laughs> laughs at that. And then, yeah. Oh my, he, you're, you're serious, ma'am. Okay. Uh, or then the, the, the <laughs> other one was, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think kids should be allowed on the playground equipment, not because of the slime swine flu. I already had the swine flu. I'm worried about the turtle flu. <laughs> and Ron kind of mulls this over the turtle flu. <laughs> You didn't know what to make of that. Oh, God. That guy looks like a turtle. He really does. He really does. Uh, I want to see the casting sheet that went out for that. Wanted. Man with turtle eyes. And to be clear, he doesn't look like a turtle like Donatello. He looks like a turtle like, let's take you to the zoo. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Well, we're back on the set of Pawnee today in the next scene, and it looks like Dexhart is really laying it on thick here. Oh, he he <laughs> continues to pretend. But Kevin Simons is terrific as Dexhart. You have to admit that. Yes, he is. He really uh, is. He continues to pretend he and Leslie have a private life, and Leslie tells everyone we have never slept together. And if we did, quite frankly, there would be proof, and everyone would have seen it now. That's right. And Dexhart, very cocky, says... I, I, I have proof. I can prove it. I, and he cites the location of a mole on Leslie's butt. And Leslie's like, that don't, no, I don't, that, that's not true. We've never slept together. You've never seen my butt. And Joan insists like, oh, it's just your word against his. <laughs> and then Leslie decides, all right, you know what? We're, we're pulling out the big guns, so to speak. Um, and she decides to end the debate by essentially pulling down her pants on live TV and mooning Joan so that (laughs) she could see for herself that there is no mole and confronted with this, a very solid uh, evidence. uh, Dexart (laughs) uh, reluctantly admits that, okay, the rumors of their affair are indeed false, but you know, I I have no plans to resign. He's, he's a, he's a class act. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and, and you would consider resigning when there's such a controversy as no Molegate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be part of that. Following the Pawnee Today appearance, Leslie and Dave appear to be having dinner at a nice restaurant. I just wrote restaurant because I don't really know much about it. I was looking for menus and other things, but it looks like a nice place. Another upscale eatery in, in, in Greater Pawnee. I was actually thinking perhaps it was the same semi-upscale eatery that they were at the first time, but I can't prove it either way. It could be a different Lunch place. and dinner at the same place? That's craziness. I mean, the Waffle House, maybe. This right. Place, well, JJ's. No. Yeah. I mean, JJ's, of course, breakfast food, all hours of the day. Are you kidding me? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so, that in the breakfast bar at the, uh, the, the Glitter Factory. I don't know where that is. Anyway, so uh, we cut to Leslie and Dave. They're once again sitting in a booth together at a local eatery, like we said. And Dave tells Leslie she did really great on on uh, Pawnee today, and he likes. <laughs> he's, this is kind of sweet. I, I I like seeing you all feisty. <laughs> it get <laughs> it gets my heart racing. Like I'm on a a, a stairmaster, except a more like in a a, a sexual a content a context. <laughs> He's so deliciously awkward. Um, and great writer. Le yeah. Leslie sadly but firmly tells Dave she can't go to San Diego with him. Uh, that, you know, her life, her friends, her career are all here. They're all in Pawnee. And there's a few moments of silence, and Dave kind of awkwardly looks down and nods and accepts it. And, you know, it's it's a sad ending to what was really a pretty sweet, nice relationship, but they both smile at each other and you know, they're, they're sad, but you can tell they don't, they don't regret their actions. Agreed. I think Leslie, I think Dave's in love with her. We've established that he established that for us. In fact, uh, I think Leslie really cares for Dave. I don't think she's in love with him. I think she's in love with Pawnee. And I think that's, what's going to kind of keep her here. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from the restaurant scene, we bounce back over to lot 48. Uh, we open this scene to the sound of Christmas music and we see a rather, I think the event's finally underway and we see a rather familiar looking Santa Claus with a couple kids in his lap. That's right. Uh, that knucklehead Andy um, is playing Santa Claus and one of them may or may not have pulled his beard off, which he tries <laughs> to like tactfully like kind of shove his face back in the beard. Um but yeah, like you said, it, it, in my opinion, Alan, when, when this scene first opened, this this is like the the epitome to me of a Christmas episode. You know, yeah. jingle bells are playing and, and people are chattering. It's snowing and, a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and Leslie, you know, comes up to the gang. I mean, she no longer feels like she has to hide away from the the, the spotlight, so to speak. Yeah. So she's free to fraternize. fraternize fraternize yeah i'm gonna go with it how do you um, do it I, I with a i don't know <laughs> so so you know leslie's back in the gang and this includes um her her mom uh who congratulates leslie by the way on mooning joan calamezzo <laughs> she's um, so proud she really is um and leslie is happy to see everyone but then kind of looks around and a little bit worried and she yeah. asks if something is wrong with the tree because it's almost 9 p.m. now, and quite frankly, the tree should have been lit up about an hour ago. And then we have a really sweet moment for the gang, but but per particularly Ron, where they say, you know, no, nothing's wrong. And she says, well, what? why isn't it lit up? And Ron just simply says, we waited for you. And he hands her the control box to light the tree. Yeah. And then Ron kind of smiles and 
has everyone count down and Leslie lights the tree to great applause and everyone cheers <laughs> and we hear carolers singing and we see Mark hug Ann and then Andy comes over and hugs April and yeah. everyone kind of comes together and is happy, you know, and then we see Leslie gazing up at the lit tree and she has kind of a satisfied, sad, determined, but ultimately happy look on her face. Yeah. yeah. And, she has a great uh, uh, talking head at the end of this scene. <laughs> I love it. And she says, um, and it's one of these scenes where it's really funny, but it's also really kind of poignant, I thought. And she says, it's gotten a lot harder to work in government. You think Winston Churchill ever had to pull his pants down and show his butt? No. But <laughs> would he have? Yes. yes. <laughs> now, could he have? Well, <laughs> maybe not towards the end of his life, but he would have. Because he loved his job. Yeah. That's good stuff. It is good stuff. And, you know, it really is what makes, I think, Parks and Recreation special, honestly. Right? It, it, it's moments like this. Yes. Completely, completely agree. And, and I feel like for, for Leslie, at least, that's like one of the main running themes of all of this. Like, she loves her job. And, and yeah. yes, by extension, uh, of course, Pawnee and and her friends, but she loves what she does. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. She's in the right place for her. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I think Mark, that wraps up the the main episode. The next day it's day four. It's a very brief scene. I'd say we'd call this the kicker, right? And we see, um, we see, it starts off with, uh, there's going to be a couple things that happen, but we start off with Andy and he's preparing to open the shoeshine booth and he looks like he's got a little present waiting on him. Yep. He, he, uh, he sees a present with a card on the chair of, of his shoeshine stand and he picks up the card and he opens it. And we, the camera reads kind of over his shoulder. Thanks for helping me April. And Andy grabs the present and rips it open. And he is ecstatic. He it reveals <laughs> an Indianapolis Colts Jersey. Yep. And blue number 87. Reggie Wayne, baby. And Andy turns around to the camera, camera so proudly, and he's happily holding up his gift. And that's that's just that's a really nice moment. And then I think also in another uh, gift giving kind of theme, Anne opens Mark's present. Uh, right. so I, I don't. I, I assume this is Mark's office. It's somewhere else in City Hall. Yeah, I had it in Mark's office. <clears throat> and and as Mark originally suspected, he he stayed with his original gift of the computer bag and to mark's credit as he originally suspected she loves it. it it's exactly what she wanted it's exactly what she had hinted at and and he 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 done good yeah um, he, she didn't even open it looking for the diamonds <laughs> what an idiot um and she said this is oh this is so good this is so much better than what i got you stupid pacers tickets they're not even good seats <laughs> and then mark performs a coup de gras yeah. by telling ann I have a second gift for you. You don't have to come to the game with me. And this Ellen <laughs> damn near makes her tear up. Like she it puts does. her hand over her mouth and that's the nicest gift anyone's ever gotten me in my life. And they hug and everything's good. Well, from here, we've got the final piece of the kicker. Ron and is, you know, basically uh, in his office when Leslie enters the bullpen with a scandal behind her and she looks like she's ready to get back to work. Yeah, yeah. The, the first shot is we see um, 
we initially see Jerry at his desk. We see Ron in his office in the background. Like you said, we hear footsteps. He, Ron looks up, he gets up. Ron goes, oh, thank God. And <laughs> Ron meets Leslie in the bullpen and he hands her a stack of messages. And he says to her, there's a bunch of messages waiting for you about a bunch of things I don't understand. And this is just, this is, this is the, the final part of a really touching series of scenes here. You know, Leslie, yeah. they don't even say a lot past this point. No. Leslie takes the messages from Ron. She smiles at him. Ron smiles back. Leslie slowly walks to her office as Ron and Jerry both smile at her and, you know, and they know she loves her job. And we see Leslie sit down at her desk. She starts going through the messages through the back window of her office. We can see it snowing outside and the rest of the gang just kind of looks on all smiling at Leslie's energy and her optimism and her boundless determination as she happily digs into this stack of messages. And the last thing we hear in the episode is her on the phone with someone. Hi, this is Leslie Nope in the parks department End scene. I love it. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, I think that's a great breakdown of this episode, Mark. Um, thank you for doing that with me. And uh, that was a good, this was a good show. I really enjoyed this. I liked the, that pair of scenes there at the end, at the end of the main episode and the end of the kicker that really just established, like I said, why I think Parks and Rec and Leslie as a character are, are, are both special things. I agree. I agree. All right, Mark. Well, you know, this feels like a pretty good place for a break. How about if we take a commercial real quick? All right. Sounds great. Let's do it. All right, everybody. We'll be right back. Do you love Christmas? Do you also dread having to get a new live Christmas tree each year, but have too much dignity for a plastic store-bought tree? Have you gotten into trouble before due to silly new laws that forbid industrial-strength commercial chainsaws and require pesky government permits to do what should be a joyous task? Well, do I have the answer for you? Hello. This is Ron Swanson. I am a huge fan of huge trees. The bigger, the better. A Charlie Brown Christmas is all fine and good, but his so-called tree would be better suited for the fireplace than the living room. And I don't mean near the fireplace, I mean as kindling for it. In the past, I was willing to face the government, the expansive wilderness, and even rare Indiana black bears to obtain my yearly wood-filled delight. However, now that I am a family man, I want to spend my time with said family and relieve myself of this no-longer-fun annual task. As a result, I have come to be quite the fan of Crazy Mike's Christmas Tree Farm, located on the border of Pawnee and neighboring city Patterson, Crazy Mike has quite the impressive assortment of trees available for immediate purchase and carryout, and his low, low prices make me understand why he obtained his apt sobriquet of Crazy Mike. Opponents of live trees will tell you that they make everything sticky due to sap. However, my experience has been that if you have children, then everything you own is probably sticky anyway. So... Why not invite a little nature into the mix and reap the reward of a fresh-cut Colorado blue spruce, eastern white pine, or a handsome Douglas fir? If you do decide to venture to Crazy Mike's, be sure to tell him Ron sent you, and receive a free special edition CD single 
of a never-before-released song from the talented and handsome jazz virtuoso Duke Silver, entitled Duke the Halls. Thank you. That is all. Hello to all of our loyal Live from Pawnee podcast viewers. We wanted to let you know, in case you're not already aware, that we've decided to break this episode of Christmas Scandal into two parts. Yeah, you know, Alan, there are so many storylines, so much to talk about. We felt that was best. Absolutely, Mark. You know, as a bonus, though, we would like to share with you, our viewers, the first half of our exclusive interview with Kevin Simons, better known as Councilman Bill Dexhart, in this and several other Parks and Recs episodes. That's awesome. So please stay tuned and enjoy the interview and we'll talk with you soon. All right. Talk with you soon. All right. Well, I want to welcome a very special live from Pawnee guest today. You know him as Councilman Bill Dexhart. It's our great pleasure to introduce the terrific Kevin Simons. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, well, thanks for asking me to do this. It's great. Well, th- thank you so much. I mean, you know, not, not only going back and watching the first episode, but, you know, watching that episode last night to prepare for this, it's more than we would have asked for. Yeah, yeah. Well, I actually, I because you were asking me about uh, Dexhart, and I actually got hired to just do guest star on, I was one and done. It was just... Uh, uh, well, I was just hired to do practice date, and it was the character was based on Mark Sanford, uh, the guy that what is it, the congressman or senator that I think so. Yeah, was and his staff didn't know where he was. Nobody knew where he was. So that that's where they got the whole cave sex in Brazil and all <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then and then lo and behold, a few episodes later, they. Uh, they called and uh, did Christmas Scandal, which was like a dream for me. You know, it was so great. That's great. That was yeah. such a, that was, and you know, that was a much bigger part really than the first appearance. So I think on the oh, first yeah. appearance, you might've just been on the monitor, if I remember. I was just on the monitor. And then, yeah, at, that's the right. end, and then at the very end, the catchphrase, I have no plans to resign. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you gotta love it. Yeah. So it sounds like, it sounds like in the very beginning, then uh, you thought it was just a one and done, you said. Oh, I did. Yeah. I thought it was just a guest, you know, one, one guest star, uh, and it was a speech. So, I mean, wow. it, the whole audition was just that speech and there was more to it. They cut away some of it, but, but, uh, I think I'm, I, I think, and I kind of heard this from the director at the time is that, um, cause for the callback, they were all in the room and the one line that I used as that I came up with for myself, the way that I interpreted it was, uh, with a be- having sex with a beautiful woman and her boyfriend and a third person whose name I never knew. <laughs> and that was, I think, what got me the role because he would say, I guess if he doesn't know the name, it's okay that he's getting right. away with it. Right. Uh, a I very classic it. denial as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's terrific. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was um, the season two, the early on in the show, um, what was great, especially in the scenes uh, at the restaurant and um, in uh, Anne's apartment, yeah, uh, or the apartment scene, um, they would hide the cameras, so you wouldn't know they like one set of camera. You'll kind of see is coming through um, some 
drapes, some slats and, uh, you know, yeah. some, some, some blinds. <clears throat> and one of the other cameras was somewhere else. And it was great because you, you kind of really didn't know where they were. So you just kind of would do the scene and it was kind of like they were just eavesdropping. That was mostly season one and season two. I didn't work season one, but I think had that kind of same style. It kind of morphed into where we, we could see the cameras everywhere, but uh, that was kind of cool. I always thought that was really great. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, we, we love that. We call it that that spy shot. And, uh, yeah. you know, they really use that to their advantage. You know, it makes you feel like you're there and like maybe you shouldn't yeah. be seeing the scene that's going on. So, right. Kind of yeah. like which they're is, eavesdropping on what's going on. Yeah. Which yeah. is totally appropriate for a Dex art, right? So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, how did, how did you, you know, how did you come to find Parks and Rec as an opportunity at all, even that first edition? Call it to my agent. I had seen, we had seen, my wife and I had seen season one and we liked it. We were like, oh, this is, this is, I really want to love it. Yeah. Uh, and I like it. And I, I, I'm not taking any credit for this, <laughs> but I thought that they really, I thought they really, um, from season two on, I think it just really got better and better and better and better. every. Oh season. yeah. Yeah. I think the first season they were trying to find their sea legs a little bit. That's my opinion, <laughs> but uh, it was still great, but I think they really kicked it up a notch and, and, you know, after the second, and everybody, I think it's because everybody found their, their voice, their, their, all the characters really became very well defined. Yeah. I know, I know that Alan and I have said something very similar several yeah. times. I mean, we love the whole, the whole series, but uh, they definitely needed season one to kind of find their voice and it was still good, but they, they weren't going to be the characters that we're going to know and love. Right. So exactly. totally agree. Yeah. 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 And I was, I was, you know, so like I said, I, I auditioned, what got called back, went to producers on it. Got it, um, was thrilled, did it one and done, and then, you know, got the second one, and then I was done for two seasons. I didn't come back till five when when uh, when Leslie got on the city council. That's right. Yep. Yep. Uh, then it was then it was you know I was in several of them, and uh, yeah. and one wonderful thing that I will always be grateful to Amy Poehler for, who I just absolutely adore. She was truly. And I'm sure you probably talked to other people about this, but she really set the tone on that set. And it was fun and it was like a family. Yeah. And um, she did something very sweet for me. And that is uh, she wrote another big scandal for the hundredth episode, uh, which was uh, oh. second chance. And Amy wrote the script for that. And she said, I, I heard that she had written a nice, nice um, Dex Hart scandal. So that, uh, <laughs> So that Leslie could run again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we've heard that she, you know, we've talked about her character, you know, the um, the Leslie character kind of being like queen of the, the parks department, but a nurturing character for her staff, you know, always puts them first, wants to help them as much as she's trying to achieve whatever goal she has for herself. But, you know, people have said the same about Amy as a person. So, yeah. and that True. she had everyone's back on that set. So. Absolutely um, right. Yep. Absolutely. I cannot stress it enough. And, and the whole cast, I mean, it was a dream job, absolute dream job. And um, the amazing thing is that we did the, um, the last time I saw everybody, I, I, I talked to Jim O'Hare uh, uh, periodically, we keep in touch. But um, the last time I saw everybody was uh, after the Paley, the Paley Center uh, for Television did a 10th anniversary of their first 2019. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was there yeah. and uh, I was on the panel, but I was in the audience. And then we had a, we had a big, 
big, big, big party afterwards. And everybody, you know, everybody remembered me and remembered it. It was just so wonderful. Uh, and, you know, I hadn't seen Chris Pratt just became this mega star and like he's giving oh, yeah. me a big bear hug. And, you know, it was just it was just great. Everybody that show did so well for everyone. It really did. Right. It changed my life. I mean, I've been recognized for this role in in Italy, in um, Ireland and Scotland. I mean, just crazy, just crazy. Yeah, yeah we've cool. uh, we looked at our statistics and we've got quite a few international viewers all over the world. It's kind of yeah. crazy. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I keep I know when Netflix lost Parks and Rec to Peacock that we, we were following on social media, you know, just to help promote the podcast. You know, yeah. all of these other countries were getting it on Netflix for the first time. Canada, yeah. I think, just got it and the UK. Yeah. So yeah. it's really everywhere. And it's kind of having a definite second life. It Netflix gave it a gigantic second life and the pandemic and all of the above. Um, and it just, I mean, I, it, it exploded more than I think when it was on the air originally. I think that's true. So yeah, I do too. Because of Netflix and people watch it like, with the cameos and all that sort of thing. And people get in touch with me like, well, I'm on my eighth time. We've watched the whole, you know, <laughs> Now another person says, oh, that's nothing. I've done it 14 times. And, you know, it's just great. It's just great. Because it's a positive. It's a positive show. It's yeah. got a great yeah. message. The characters yeah. are wonderful. Her, her, her character, Amy's character is just so, you know, Leslie is so positive. And it's I just, know. just a breath of fresh air in, you know, these days. So. I know that we, we've said that more than one time, you know, we're big fans of, of the office as well. And I think that there's a lot of similarities between them, but I think one thing that that Alan and I particularly like about parks and rec is their, their kind of positive attitude. You know, the office is funny, but in a little bit of a different way, there's maybe a little bit of a, what would you say? A cringe factor <laughs> that's there sometimes, but uh, no, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The guy who directed uh, uh Christmas scandal, Randall Einhorn. Yeah. Uh, who's become a good friend. Uh, Randall directed me in, well, he had his own show called Wilfred. I did one of his. Oh, yeah. But I had, uh, there was a group of six actors, six of us that had a, a Chevy campaign for two years that was kind of like The Office. It was yep. six people. It was called Under the Blue Arch. Yep. And it was six people who worked in a, a dealership. <laughs> and it was like they were doing these little 30-second comedies. And Randall directed all of them. Wow, so right. he was the director for two years on those. So, yeah, I had that getting getting Chris getting that show was really a was really good for my career. So I watched the one on your demo reel yesterday. Um, I think it's the one the, one of those commercials where they um, uh, everybody starts singing and uh, <laughs> the, the reluctant guy finally sings at the end, and everyone's like, "Hey, it's too late." No, so. no right? <laughs> too new here. You don't get it. That's right. It takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we and actually we, talked about Randall a little bit when we set up this episode, just in terms of, you know, I, I was familiar with his work from office and kind of how he got the gig on office was that he was, you know, this kind of, I think, somewhat nature wildlife photographer kind of capturing things in the wild. And, you know, Greg and, and Mike went to him and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about doing this in an office environment, which is just kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. 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 He's a big director now, right? So, oh, huge, huge. He's got his yeah. own project. He's got his own development deals, yeah. and yeah, Randall's really done very well. Um, great guy, and and he was doing like, yeah, he was doing a photography like that, and he was also like doing raft, like like um, rafting, you know, like for 
groups in Australia. I think it was in Australia and he was doing like whitewater rafting. He was taking groups wow. out and just a crazy, great guy, just a real wow. lover of life. So, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, and, and also there was a lot, there was a lot of improvising on the show too. Not all of it got used. In fact, not the writing was so good. You didn't really need to, but, um, what we would normally do, and this was Amy again, is, um, the school, we would, we would do that. We would film the scene as written several times then, uh, to get all the different angles and whatnot, then we would loosen it up a little bit. You know, you can add a little bit right. of improv here, a little bit of improv there. Yeah. Then they'd loosen it up even more. And then the last take after we'd gotten everything, the last take is what Amy would call a fun run. Fun run. Yep. Where it was <laughs> completely improvised. Com the whole thing was completely improvised. <clears throat> And I try to get my one or two little, you know, I've done it. I've done, you know, improv Olympic and I've done my improv stuff, but you know, I'd sit there between polar and, you know, John uh, Glazer and just kind of go, I'm out. <laughs> I was going to watch. going to watch. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 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 yeah I, 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 I was interesting to me when John Glazer joined as uh, you know, councilman JM, you know, we had uh, the two kind of bad boys on, on the council there between you two. <laughs> it was a great dynamic for sure. Yeah. So yeah. great to watch. Yeah. They kind of started putting us together as like the, the, you know, the, the, the mean twosome, especially right. toward Amy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then wasn't Hauser then kind of the one who was uh, just kind of the neutral party. He was usually Switzerland. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And then there was Jim, James Green, who is the Strom Thurmond of, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> the city council. Yeah. He made yep. you guys look pretty good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for joining us this week. We really hope you enjoyed the first half of Christmas Scandal, as well as the first part of our interview with Kevin Simons. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a lot of fun and we really enjoyed it. Agreed. So be sure to tune in next week as we finish up both Christmas Scandal and our interview with Kevin Simons. We'll look forward to seeing you then. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. Music